Hello and welcome, Nationals fans, to the Dogcast, the podcast more exciting than preseason football. I'm your host, Blake Finney, and I'm suffering from Chicago deep dish pizza withdrawal symptoms, just in case you missed my uh, spam type posts on my Twitter. Join me this week is one of our contributors here at District on Deck. Yet again, we've got Brian Foley back on. How are you doing, Brian? Uh, thanks for having. And uh, as a Milwaukee uh, resident right now, I gotta I gotta hate on your Chicago deep dish pizza, just as the little brother syndrome that we have up here. So, no, I I don't know. I, I was really looking forward to the to the deep dish. Uh, I went to some chain, I can't remember what it was called, and I ordered a personal pizza because I wasn't that hungry, and I was kind of disappointed by how small it was. I was expecting like a great big thing. <laughs> well, usually they're thick enough to make up for it, no matter how uh, small they are in diameter. It's true. I was definitely very full, but unfortunately, this isn't a pizza podcast. It's a <laughs> podcast. Uh, so first off, we're going to recap the card. Cardinal series. Uh, obviously, it didn't get off to a great start with the walk-off loss after the devastating uh, walk-off loss in Chicago that I was at and still haven't quite got over. But we did end today with a nice one-run win. Uh, bullpen locked it down in the end. So what are your takeaways from this series? Obviously, being at 500 still isn't really ideal. Uh, takeaways are nothing has changed, really. Um, just treading water. They're running out of time. Uh, today, good to see uh, another good, uh, another solid, at least Tanner Roark start. Um, good offense for the first half of the game. Uh, kind of slowed down late, but offense really hasn't been too much of an issue uh, since the All-Star break. Um, uh, but, you know, th they didn't do what they needed to do in the series. They needed to probably take at least three or four, make up some ground in the wild card, and then also hopefully uh, potentially try and pick up some games on either the Braves or the Phillies. Instead, losing ground right and left. Uh, salvage it a little bit today with a win, but in the end, not doing enough. And unless they go on a major run, like starting now, uh, it's 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 looking dire. Yeah, it's um, it would have been interesting to see how the season had played out had the Nets come out with that win uh, on Sunday in Chicago. Obviously, we didn't have a podcast. I was too busy held up by... Uh, held up at Chicago O'Hare Airport. But uh, it would have been interesting because you feel like maybe they would have been able to come out with that win on Monday had they not just been completely deflated by that on Sunday. Well, in that Cubs series, I mean, they kind of they, they let the first game slip away. They pull out game two, then obviously just uh, blow the uh, third game on Sunday. Um, but I saw Mark uh, Zuckerman tweeting uh, like 10-15, like on uh, Sunday night, they were a game or an out away from being four and a half down in division. And then last night, they were down, what, nine and a half um, uh, by the end of the, Saint, the, the third St. Louis game. Obviously, win today, make up a little ground. Um, but, I mean, th things can flip in an instant. The Braves are playing well. Uh, and so they, they, they really just kind of they, they lost the season in the last uh, five days. Yeah, it was those three games, the the two walk-offs and then just the it, the miserable games on Tuesday and Wednesday. And I, th I guess a theme in this series was kind of a bit of too little, too late offense. There was a lot of late scoring in the games when the game already seemed lost. Obviously, that wasn't the case on Monday. But uh, who stood out to you on the offensive side of the ball? Offense, uh, well, it's good to be talking. Another good game for Harper today, three for five. So it's good to be, uh, and he's been great for the last month, really, um, since since the All-Star break. So it's good to see him 
But I, I mean, I kind of want to talk a little bit on the negative side. Uh, Adam Eaton at the top of the order is just not getting it done. I mean, not another not so great series this uh, uh, this week against St. Louis. It's stretching back since July 25th. He's 11 for 61, only two extra base hits. I mean, he's got, I wrote about it a couple weeks ago. He's got absolutely no pop in the bat right now. Um, and it, so he's really singles or bust. And for the last two, three weeks, he's been bust. And so then he really has absolutely no value. And so to, to keep just running him out there at the leadoff spot is killing them. To keep running him out really in general, uh, I mean, Taylor's not like super consistent either, but at least he's a defensive stud, um, has some value that you know you can count on. Uh, so it's kind of been disappointing to see him really uh, kind of hit the skids in the last month. Yeah, do you wonder if it's kind of some of the fatigue? Obviously, he only played, what, half a month last season and he's got to build himself back up and maybe it's part of that. I think when I watch him swing lately, it feels like he's peeling off way too early. So he's starting to go through his swing, but as the ball kind of gets towards the plate, he starts to lean back and he's he's missing out on some balls like that where he would knock it the other way. Right, he's kind of getting a little flaily with the swing and no power off the back leg. So even if he hits the ball like hard, it's 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 not going anywhere. It's like he's hitting with a noodle bat. Um, and I could see it being fatigue. I mean, he's he did come back uh, like off the DL. He came off pretty strong. Um, so I could see, and he's, he kind of runs like a little gimpy. And I don't remember him. I, I haven't seen him enough, like uh, non-injured, to like remember if he like ran like that when he was back in Chicago. But he kind of looks like he's not running entirely smoothly. And I don't know if it's just his style or if it's his leg is still bothering him a bit or if he's kind of just nervous about it. Um, so it's kind of – you don't want to give up on him. He's, he's a, a really solid player back in his uh, prime with Chicago. But um, maybe an, an offseason will do him well. But maybe we've kind of see, seen the best of, uh, of Eaton and it wasn't in a Nats uniform. Yeah, I think I think he always ran with like his shoulders up and ran <laughs> Well, he's the mighty mouse, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, he has. I don't know. He still hustles at one hundred percent. So, that, yeah, that's not an issue. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's mainly down to fatigue. Maybe um, when did he come back? He came back at the start of July, I think. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think they should move him down in the lineup or play Taylor more, or what do you think the the, the solution is, or just let him grind it out? I, I wouldn't mind seeing him move down. Um, I guess it depends whether you're still going for it. Because if you if you still believe that they're going to do something in the playoff race, obviously a lot of people don't know, especially with the way this series has gone. But if you are trying to see what you've got for the future, I'd put Trey Turner in the leadoff spot. He's Obviously, he's not doing fantastic, but I think you're going to gain more long-term by putting him up there than Adam Eaton. No, I, I agree with that, and I think uh, Turner, I think, is probably a better leadoff hitter anyways. Um, and Eaton, I mean, it, I would just kind of let him maybe move back to, like, the seven spot or something there in the lineup, let him see if he can figure it out, and, hey, if he turns it back on, you want to move him back to, up to the top of the lineup, that's fine, too. I don't I don't really mind him at the top, but right now, she's just not cutting it. Yeah, exactly, and uh, potentially long-term, you, you like one Soto in the two spot, preferably. That's right. Uh, that's where all the stat geeks, as I can't remember the word that Jason Worth used. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that's where they say to put your best hitter and then maybe Rendon three and let it pan out kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, Turner, Soto, Rendon, Harper. That's a, and then Zimmerman, Murphy. I mean, I know like next year, like some of those guys might not still be there, but 
down the stretch here. That's a pretty formidable top six. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one guy that's kind of gone under the radar and that I wrote a little bit about is Matt Wheaters, who swung it pretty well. Um, come up with some big RBI hits late in the series. He was only three for 11, but he's putting the ball in play a lot more. He's not striking out as much as he was previously. And this is exactly what I wrote about before or to start the season. He had his bat way up on his shoulders. He was like rocking it backwards and the bat was facing down. But now he's kind of brought his hands down and he seems a lot quicker to the ball. Have you noticed that improvement as well? Yeah, he sometimes when he gets in trouble, he has a really long swing and he just it looks like he has absolutely no shot of catching up to any sort of fastball, whether it's 100 or 90 miles an hour. Um, but now, yeah, he's, I think you're, you're right. A little quicker to the ball, a little more decisive at the plate and just making more contact. I mean, it obviously, it's just going to do wonders for you. I mean, he's not a guy who you're really expecting a lot of, out of anyways. Yeah, I don't know that. Yeah. You're not that bothered how he does. I don't think he's going to come back, and he may even struggle to get a major league deal in the offseason, but um, better, <laughs> better than nothing, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, and he's had a good couple of weeks, so, I mean, that's yeah. nice. Yeah, and uh, as the catcher, you don't need him to hit 300. If he hits 250, then you're pretty happy. Yeah, uh, he's, he's not quite there yet, but he's been he's been like that. Uh, in August, which mm. they need, they need every every they they can't afford right now to have like seven hitting spots or I guess six with Eaton struggling. They need everyone firing on all cylinders to have any hope whatsoever. Mm. Uh, one of the interesting points was the Nats starting pitching, which had actually started to be a lot better lately. Had a a bit of a rough go, even it's even the best start from a uh, from a starter came today with Tanner Ark doing the minimum for a quality start. Combined, they went. 18 and two-thirds, 23 hits, 12 earned, nine walks, and only six strikeouts in those. Um, what are you making of the rotation? It feels like they're waiting for the cavalry to come back because you've got Feddy, Joe Ross, Strasburg all starting their – well, Ross is a little way in, but Feddy and Strasburg about to start their rehab assignments. Right, and Strasburg, it kind of sounds like he might be back on Tuesday if his bullpen uh, session goes well um, coming up. So he, he might be back in the rotation soon. Uh, I mean, the, otherwise, the rest of the rotation besides Scherzer, Roark has been solid recently, but Gio Gonzalez, and we'll talk about him a little bit later because he's uh, pitching in this Miami series. Uh, can't really count on him for anything right now. And I mean, even, I mean, Gio's always been a little hit or miss, but right now he is a lot of miss and it, it's really causing them issues because they need him to be like he was the first half of the season and last year where he's, uh, like a, a top 10, 15 pitcher in the National League. They need him to be at least like solid, uh, preferably very good. But he just hasn't, he just can't get it together right now against uh, like formidable lineups. Yeah, he's been having very hit and miss starts. And obviously, the Marlins is a favorable draw for him. But after that, you've had Roark, who's turned on the Jets basically. Uh, Helixson has been probably the most consistent pitch. You know you're going to get five innings of two-run ball from him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's been very consistent. Uh, with this bullpen, though, uh, I mean, it really kind of puts Martinez in a tough spot. Mm. Uh, on the note of the bullpen, we saw a, a lot of turnover. So Solis was demoted, uh, Ryan Madsen with the DL, Tim Collins and Trevor Gott coming back up. Uh, uh, this kind of touches on your piece. Um, with the Nationals' inability to develop their pitches, and it kind of comes to the fore. Um, 
So if you want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I, I touched on it earlier this week. Um, and it, it's kind of been a, an organizational failure just across the board where they haven't really developed enough pitching um, in, the, in the minor leagues. And it hasn't been for lack of trying. A lot of their top prospects have been pitchers. Giolito, Fetty, Lopez, those guys haven't really panned out either with the Nats or with other organizations in the, uh, in the starting rotation. I mean, maybe eventually like Giolito, I could, maybe he turns into a lockdown reliever at some point and he could have done that for the Nats. Maybe it happens for Fetty where they're just not cut out for the starting rotation. Um, but then the guys they've brought up uh, in the bullpen, uh, they haven't really fared well either. Cota Glover was deemed as kind of maybe a, a closer in waiting when he first appeared in, in, in the major leagues. He's shown flashes, but I mean, it's just been inconsistent. Doesn't really throw enough strikes. Um, even when he's pitching well, stuff moves all over the place. And then the couple of guys that, you know, have actually turned into like decent relievers, they've been traded away. And it wasn't even like trying in Felipe Rivero, now Vasquez. Um, it wasn't even uh, like, I would like, they, they weren't, bad trades i mean they, they haven't they don't work out for the nationals getting too little was a good deal for from oakland matt melanson for i mean you, you traded Melan got melanson for a couple months and so that, that looks bad in hindsight but melanson pitched well for the nationals the real problem is they did these win now moves and they didn't win um and so now it looks bad and they're at the end of like every team goes to these five six year cycles where you're winning you make these win now moves and it's worth it if you get to the World Series, win a World Series, and the Nationals just didn't do it. And now they're looking back and they're saying, oh, man, we don't have any. All these other teams seem to have young studs coming up and making a difference, making an impact in these postseason races. And the Nationals have nothing. And they're picking up guys like Greg Holland and just not getting the job done. And now they've got injuries and they've been totally exposed. Yeah, I think it's shown more in the rotation. So when the injuries have piled up, so when... Uh, Strasbourg's been down. Uh, Helix and on the yeah, well, You've had to call on Fedi, who he's had his moment. Moment, kind of. Uh, he's still got to work on getting that strikeout pitch, which is the main thing we didn't see from him. We had Austin Voth or both up for one start, and he he was supposed to be the more complete pitcher out of him and Jeffrey Rodriguez, who we'll I'll mention in a bit, but. Um, Again, he struggled against the Mets, and uh, we've seen the Mets line up this year that can't even buy Jacob de Grom a win. And then finally, Rodriguez, who he has two major league pitches, and he might be someone who they actually end up putting in the bullpen. But um, yeah, when uh, if it if it really got stretched and you needed three or four starters, then you can understand them calling up people who aren't quite ready. But when it's only one or two, you really need someone who can fill the hole. Right. I mean, they came into the season with four starters because they had A.J. Cole in their starting rotation uh, to begin the year. Um, so, I mean, they were really kind of banking on perfect health. Uh, and obviously with a guy like Strasburg in your rotation, yeah, you can't uh, count on that really. Um, and, I mean, he's gotten hurt and it's come back to bite him. Um, guys in the back of their bullpen have come back to, come back to bite him. They've had plenty of injuries back there. Uh, trading guys away who, honestly, I... Like, I don't really care that they've traded Kinsler and Kelly away, but, you know, I, it just further weakens, like, an already suspect group. Um, and now that they're, they're – that, that's really really hurting them with, what are they, 12 and 21 in one-run games? 
Yeah, it's something like that. Um, but yeah, I don't think those hurt them in those close late inning games because people keep saying, oh, they wouldn't have blown that lead against the Cubs had they had Kinzer and Kelly. But uh, who else would you have put in? You have Glover and Madsen going. I don't. You might have had Kinsler in the eighth, but he wasn't the one I mean, who put it. In that game, Kinsler gave up two runs against the Nationals, so yeah. <laughs> uh, he's not exactly a lockdown guy either. Yeah, you wouldn't have put him in the ninth over Madsen at that point. It was actually pitching quite well, and uh, that's a completely different topic about what they uh, what they should have well what Madsen should have done there. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's. It's the developing because you see the likes of the Yankees who constantly bring up these fire throw, fire throwing, flame throwing, uh, <laughs> flame throwing relievers who uh, just make their bullpen more dominant. It's not a sustainable strategy to go and invest huge amounts of millions into the bullpen. Right. the The way to get uh, relievers is just to get a ton of young guys and see what works. Um, and the kind of the Dodgers have gone the other way. They just get a ton of young starting pitchers and then put them in the bullpen. I mean, they have like eight or nine starters. They had some injury issues, and so they were still able to field the quality rotation. Now all those guys are healthy, and they're putting guys like Ross Stripling, who actually just went on the DL, but and Kenta Maeda in the D, uh, in, in the bullpen. Like these are like real quality major league arms that they just have so many growing on trees that they can just afford to put them in the pen, maybe get a couple innings out of them, which really helps the rest of their bullpen. Which, and so they should honestly be fine in the in their bullpen, even without Kenley Jansen for the next couple of weeks. And yeah, the Nationals are in, are in a cl- completely different situation. Yeah, I think the, the phrase goes, throw enough expletive at the wall and something will stick. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, we'll look ahead to the National Series with the Marlins. Um, they're back to their awful selves. They've got the worst ERA in the National League in there. Two and fourteen in their last sixteen games. So against the Atlanta Braves. So in game one, they dropped the first one. Uh, Tuki Toussaint had to practice that one. Uh, dominated the Marlins in the first game of the doubleheader in the nine-one loss. Uh, Mike Fultonavich also dominated them in the nightcap. Bit of a rough one. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. became the youngest player ever to hit five home runs in five or a home run in five straight games in ten six lost for the Marlins and the Braves completed the sweep. The main talking point in that one was Jose Urania plunking Acuna with the first pitch. So what did you make of that whole ordeal and the subsequent six-game suspension? Um, well, a couple of things. Uh, don't throw at a guy just because he's hitting home runs off you. Two, that's a pretty weak suspension from Major League Baseball, just about one start. Three, on the other end of the spectrum, baseball Twitter – uh, just collectively freaking out and losing their minds, like it's like an affront on American like livelihood. Like, all right, calm down. Like that. Like we, we, we're going a little bit over the edge there. Uh, I mean, plenty of articles just absolutely losing their minds. Uh, so, and I'm not supporting this. And like the, the stupid unwritten rules, they're ridiculous. But like, let's. It's just a stupid baseball game, and it's it's very lucky. It would have been worse. So it's it's very lucky that Acuna did not get hurt. So. That's the uh, the one positive out of all this. All, out of all of this, he stayed healthy. Played today. Uh, I got at least one hit. I know. So, yeah, I don't think he led off with a home run, but <laughs> I think he was, led off with a single. <laughs> it, was, um, it was certainly bizarre, and I think I watched it, and it looked intentional, but I don't know. It it was kind of on the borderline. I don't. I couldn't say for a hundred percent certainty that it was, but 
I think he, he came out after the game and was just saying, I'm trying to get him inside and gave it the old company line. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think six six game is light, given that he's a starter. If it's a position player, you wouldn't see the position player suspended for one game. Right. That's always the that's always a ridiculous part. If they just got if they would suspend him for five games, like which which they would do for like a position player type thing. I mean, I don't know if you can suspend a pitcher for five starts, but at least for like fifteen days is probably more equivalent. Yeah, I think so, something like 10 to 15 to get right. a couple of starts. Um, but yeah, it's, it's silly. I don't, he didn't do anything out of order on any of the home runs at any point. And the most bizarre part was Keith Hernandez on the Mets broadcast saying he's hit three home runs in a row. You've got to punk him. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, yeah, I did not get that at all. I didn't understand that. And especially he's a hitter. So like you think uh, he would be standing up for Acuna there. So I, that didn't really make any sense to me. Yeah, well, he didn't even come out for, oh, yeah, he celebrated too extravagantly. He just plain and simple said, he's done really well. You've got to hit him. <laughs> it was the most ridiculous thing ever. Uh, I'm surprised Mike Trout doesn't hit, uh, lead the league and hit by pitches if that's the case. Oh, people are going to have a treat with Victor Robles, but that's a completely different story. Uh, so which players are you watching out for? Obviously not Jose Arena. <laughs> yeah, so I was looking just uh, – at their fan graphs page, just collectively their their roster, and I was like, Ugh, "This is this is a crew. This is a crew and a half." Um, so I didn't feel like I could say JT Realmuto because you know he's people know who he is. Um, so I'm just going to go with Brian Anderson, just a nice, solid player, having a good rookie season. Uh, leads National League rookies in doubles, 115 OPS plus. Play a couple positions, bats all over the lineup, um, and. He's been a little bit slumping, uh, a little bit of a slump the last week and a half or so, five for 33 in the last nine games. But for most of the summer, he was raking at a pretty pretty nice clip. So he's a good, solid player, someone that maybe the Marlins can uh, build around as kind of like a quasi, uh, quasi like complementary piece or potentially even use as uh, like trade bait or something. He's, he's kind of an expendable player, but a nice one to have. Yeah, he's someone you could put anywhere in the lineup and he would do a good job. Um, right. And then f- fill him in where you've got the need at the time. If your lineup shallow at the time, put him in third. If you're starting to get some of those uh, rebuilding pieces up, you can put him further down, like five or six, and he would still do a good job there. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a quality player. I don't think he's going to be haunting the Nats for the next decade in the NL East, but he's, he's definitely a guy who can win some games for the Marlins. Uh, which maybe they want to do eventually. I don't know if that's Jeter's plan or not. Uh, I had to go digging around because I also didn't want to say JT Realmuto, and I've gone with Rafael Ortega, who I've... Ooh, I don't even know who that is. (laughs) (laughs) He's hitting uh, 286, he's got a 355 OVP, and four stolen base in uh, six games to his call-up. We're scraping the barrel of it. (laughs) I don't feel as bad now. (laughs) He's the only hitter hitting above 262 for the Marlins in the last 30 days. So uh, remember to keep an eye on Rafael Ortega, who I can't say I would have heard of before this season. All right. Well, good to know. And we'll see if he haunts the Nationals. For the next <laughs> um, I did have one other. I had uh, Drew Steckenrider, who people may have actually heard of and seen earlier this season. He's, I think he's fired a couple of scoreless innings, but... Uh, Carl Bearclaw, who was the previous closer, um, 
now on the 10 day BL. Second rider isn't quite a typical closer. He's only got just above 9K per nine, 3.29 ERA, and uh, makes you feel a bit better about the Nats bullpen. <laughs> hey, we'd still take him, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> if that's the closer, I don't want to see the. Well, I do want to see well, I don't. Well, I don't know. Uh, Glover is closing today. It was, his ERA isn't, isn't sparkling. <laughs> uh, so which Nats are you keeping an eye on this series? Uh, there, there's a host of nationals who I've kind of jotted down. Um, Daniel, I'll just kind of run through a couple quickly. Daniel Murphy hitting really well. That's fun. Uh, it's fun to have a good hitting Murphy back because before when he first came back, it was kind of sad. Uh, he was kind of gimping around a little bit, showing really no burst, but kind of getting his legs under him now hitting 382, I believe if my math is correct since July 8th. So a good over a month now really raking uh slowly getting some more power uh and then i guess one other person would be we talked about acuna earlier uh so kind of bringing it to juan soto um soto still getting some walks but since august 5th he's now hitting six he's six for his last 36 averages down and now him and acuna basically have almost identical stat lines kind of across the board a little more power for acuna but more patience for soto obviously so I guess as we have like six more weeks in the left, rest left in the season, what are you looking at for the uh, the rookie of the year race? Like, who do you think? Do you still think Soto has the edge? I think Soto has the edge because he's played just a bit more at the moment. I think um, a little bit, yeah, a few more games. And I think, I think kind of he's stolen the show in the summer, and he's got that. He's probably got more. I don't know if wow factor is the right word, but he's. He's kind of more ingrained in people's minds because he's been doing it all summer. Well, whereas uh, Acuna's kind of been missing for a few weeks with that injury. So, uh, and again, Acuna, Acuna could Acuna could definitely. I agree with you that Soto has the edge now, even if in this little mini slump. But Acuna could definitely steal it because he's really in the heart of a pennant race right now, uh, and he's playing well. So if he has a goes on a tear and Soto kind of like Nats finished with 84 wins and Soto's hitting like kind of how he is right now. Like Kitts finishes the same batting line. I could see Acuna swiping in and stealing that award. They just showed uh, Acuna on SportsCenter hitting that leadoff single with an elbow guard this time. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think potentially this, uh, this little fiasco and his success of late has kind of won the um, non-stats part of the vote. Yeah, I think well, it's definitely putting him back on the uh, uh, the front page. So he definitely is kind of more in people's mind now than Soto is, at least. Mm. Uh, and for me, I'm looking at the the, the hits to bust out of a slump. So like you said, Soto, 143 average in his last nine games. Still got the six walks to eight strikeouts, so he's still getting on base at a good clip. Uh, and then Adam Eaton, 180 in his last 19 games. Those strikeouts have soared. So uh, I think... Australian Pablo Lopez, probably both going to start. Would you give Soto or Eaton a day against the lefty on Saturday? I was, yeah, I was thinking, I was looking at the game today, and I'm like, wow, Soto could really use a day off. Um, but then I'm like, whoa, Eaton really needs a day off. <laughs> uh, so I would give Eaton a day off. Uh, um, Soto, well, even when Soto's not hitting, he still has some value. I mean, he draws a lot of pitches, gets some walks, and and hey, he gets a hold of one pitch. I mean, he can still turn on it and make something happen much more than Eaton can at the plate. So, I would still give uh, Soto a little more time. But if in other uh, kind of 
uh, struggling weekend, I would de- I would definitely sit him down for a day, just get his legs back underneath him. Mm. Yeah, I think he's hitting better against left-handers than right. He's hitting for more power against left-handers. So yeah, it's kind of the right um, uh, and we go for the Matt Adams adventure in left field for a day. <laughs> well, speaking of Adams, uh, he can't hit right now either. He's 0 for his last <laughs> 17, I think, and 2 for his last 29. So, I mean, if he's not hitting, he can't play. Uh, um, do you think it's this is kind of like uh, the numbers correcting on him? He's always been a good hitter, but he was not as good of a hitter as he showed for the first uh, three, three and a half, four months of the year. I wonder if it's some of the inconsistent playing time because he was locked in against righties, but now that Zimmerman's hitting well and people want to get it, you want to get him a lot of playing time. Um, and I think I think David Martinez has been keen that when uh, when a right-hander has kind of had neutral or reverse splits, he's tried to get Zimmerman in the lineup rather than Adam. So I wonder if some of that inconsistent playing time is coming into it. No, oh, I, I would buy that. Um... And so that means, like, he's if he is facing a righty, he's facing a tough righty, uh, which obviously not going to help your numbers. Um, and it is hard to because Zimmerman is hitting well; he's been on a tear. Had a, not much tonight, but uh, otherwise, he has been hitting lights out since coming back. So, and he's a franchise like legend centerpiece, and obviously he was an all star last year. So you want to squeeze him in as much as you can, but kind of unfair to Adams, just a tough break because after what he did for the first half of the season, maybe the team's MVP for the first half. Uh, I mean, it's kind of disappointing to see him struggle down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. So now we're going to look ahead to each matchup individually. First up on Friday at 7.05 p.m., we've got Max Scherzer against Dan Straley. Max Scherzer, 15-5 with a 2.19 ERA. Dan Straley, 4-5 with a 4.42 ERA. Max Scherzer in his last two starts, 14 innings, seven hits, one run, two walks, 17 strikeouts, and the Nats have lost both. <laughs> oh, that was fun until the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know, it's the Jacob de Grom effect, I think. I know. Imagine being a Mets fan. That's your whole season. <laughs> it's uh, Yeah, it's just been a, a small stretch. But, um, yeah, what do you make of that? It's, um, I can't, what was the other one? He he did it against the Cubs, and was it the? Oh yeah, it was the Braves when the the bullpen blew it late. Right. Well, I mean, he's he kind of went through a mini blip there uh, about a month ago, where he he was still good, but he wasn't his normal excellent. Uh, so it's good to get him back on his Cy Young type track, even if he might not win it this year with Degrom pitching so well. Um, I mean, just predicting this game, I don't know if we're doing that now or if I'm jumping ahead, but. Uh, I'm not picking Dan Straley over Max Scherzer, so I'll go with the Nats in this game. I mean, Straley, not good this year. Has actually been decent against the Nationals. Uh, um, 3.80 ERA in his two starts against Washington, though the Nats did win both games. Um, So maybe he's got a little magic against the Nats, but even if he gives up three runs, I think that's more than enough for Scherzer. Yeah, I think uh, the last podcast I did before the Cubs series was actually the closest I've ever come to picking against Max Scherzer when he was going up against Cole Hamels. Um, mm. That's the last we'll say of that game. But yeah, um, Dan Straley, like you say, has done quite, quite well. But Matt Wheaters is hitting 600 against him in his career. So he's got a nice opportunity. How many off the top of my head, 12, maybe? Okay. I don't know. Well, hey, <laughs> let's get into the lineup. Looked at 600. 
Um, uh, but yeah, I don't I don't think you can pick against Scherzer in that one. You rare you rarely can as an Nats fan, I don't think. No, it's just a, it's just safe to always ride the Scherzer train. I think makes you feel better. <laughs> uh, so second up, we got Tommy Malone against Wei Yin Chen on Saturday at seven oh five p.m. Tommy Malone one and one with a five two four ERA. Wei Yin Chen four and nine with a five two three ERA. That feels like a um, run fest. Uh, knowing baseball, though, it'll be like a two one extra inning affair. So, uh, I mean, Malone his last couple outings. Uh, not, I mean, he's not. I guess he gave up seven runs in one of them, but just getting knocked around, like twenty hits in about ten innings. Uh, his first two starts, which were against Miami and the in the Mets, who are basically two like Triple uh, A lineups, he he fared okay. Um, so maybe, I mean, he, he's only walked one guy. Uh, so going back against Miami, which maybe gets through five innings, one run or something like that, just generates a bunch of weak contact. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. This game is, I, I guess I'll pick like Malone and the Nats, but uh, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> these yeah. are two starters who I don't want to have. I don't want to put any money on. <laughs> you sure you just put money on the over? Um, yeah, I will do that. <laughs> yeah, Malone, I think Malone's given up ten hits twice in a row. Maybe. Yeah. Yep. Both yeah. outings for ten hits. Yeah, it's. Uh, He's been a bit hit to death, and he's stranded the bases loaded quite a few times somehow. So it feels yeah, like some of the blow-ups coming. He's got a 5.2 ERA, and it feels like it could be a lot worse. Um, but against Miami, that this could be a <laughs> – they don't really have anyone besides Real Muto who really can threaten uh, the opposing pitcher. So, yeah, uh, he gave up three Chen, runs in the first inning against them and then four scoreless. So Yeah, yeah. Chen – Pitched well against the Nats in his first outing against them in May. One run in seven and a third, and then got bombed on in the second outing. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm just going to ride with the Nats because the Nats have killed the Marlins for the last two years, but I have no other uh, knowledge other than that. Yeah, I was going to go for the Marlins, but then I looked at Wei Yin Chen's splits. And in nine road starts this year, he's got a 10.27 ERA compared to 205 at home. And, uh, that might be Ooh. the cavernous Marlins Park into it a bit, that's, uh, that's not pretty, and I think that gives me enough grounds to pick uh, pick the Nats. Yeah, I think you should definitely go Nats after hearing that. I'm all in on the Nats after hearing a 10-plus <laughs> ERA. Nine starts as well. It's not a tiny sample price. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> uh, so finally on Sunday at 1.35 p.m., we've got Gio Gonzalez against Pablo Lopez. Gio Gonzalez, 7-9 and nine with a 4-1-2 ERA. Pablo Lopez, two and three with a four seven nine ERA, and uh, we do get Max Scherzer on Friday, but we're not exactly blessed with great starting pitching in this uh, this series. Yeah, but luckily neither are the Marlins. So, I mean, Gio, even if he's off, uh, still has a chance to beat Pablo Lopez. Uh, Lopez has already faced the Nats once this year, five runs and in five innings. Not he's kind of he's he's got eight starts this year. Four of them where he's given up two runs or less. Um, the other four where he's given up either four or five runs. So he's kind of been alternating gems and clunkers this season. Uh, he threw he got one clunker against the Nats already. Hope that doesn't mean a gem is coming. Um, as for Geo, uh, his control has been a real problem last two months, month and a half. So 
and he's not striking guys out. I, I, I don't know how, how to fix him because he's kind of been so spotty throughout his career. But uh, like, what have you seen anything with Gio that's really stuck out to you? And like in the last uh, couple outings, yeah, it's been it's been the walks that have killed him, and uh, kind of like we were mentioning with Malone, it's Malone. It's been the hit for Gio. It's been the walks, and he's had to escape plenty of jams, which we've seen throughout his career. But um, when the walks are piling up, he's not helping himself, and uh, I think. Uh, I think he's been not finishing his pitches. He's left some uh, left some circles up and not um, not getting them down and dirt. I was actually looking at one of the heat maps to try and figure it out. And early on in his career, he was burying that curveball and obviously was getting a lot of bite on it. Now, um, just kind of hanging there. Yeah, it kind of floats out there when he when he's trying to throw to righties a lot. He gets it like. Uh, if he doesn't have any bite, it just stays out in like the left-hand batter's box, and the catcher's flailing to catch it. And if it has a little bite, it's just diving right into the middle of the, the zone. And the guy's swinging at it; it usually ends up hard contact. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the thing that helped him before was the fact that it was so deceptive, and it would actually get swings and misses. But now people seem to be reading it a lot better and staying off. And that kind of leads to the walks if people aren't swinging at that, getting balls from it. Right. I mean, last nine starts, only 44 and a third innings pitched, got 29 walks, only 33 strikeouts. So he, he's not even, I mean, he hasn't been a K guy really in a couple of years, but he's not getting the strikeouts to really uh, help solve the problem when, when you're putting so many free passes and just guys on base without any uh, base knocks. Hmm. So how do you see this one going? Uh, I've already given the Nats to Pablo Lopez. I'm not sure if he's a real person or not. Uh, uh, I mean, hey, we've seen a couple decent geo outings. God damn it, let's go with let's go with the Nats for the sweep. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? They 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 just lost four in a row before tonight. Let let's give them three three wins in a row. <laughs> You're shaking your head, <laughs> regretting it immediately. But um, we we've probably uh, talked about it enough. He seems to always come up against the Marlins, and uh, ten and three with a one eight nine career career ERA against the Marlins in eighteen starts. It's not the same Geo as it was early in his career. Um, he's actually better at home against the Marlins than he is on the road. So who knows? If, uh, if he's going to put it together against anyone, it's going to be the Marlins. Oh, there we go. Are you, pick- are you picking Geo in the Nats? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, picking this series with these pitching matchups outside of game one, is, it's, a, it's a really, you have no idea. No, um, I think I've been far too optimistic over the course of the season and predicted too many series wins when I probably shouldn't have. And uh, I think I'm going to stay optimistic and go with that. So I think the the offense has been on the whole consistent enough that they can probably make up for a, even a subpar geo start in this one. So it makes you feel any better. I think this is my fourth time on the podcast. I probably picked it, picked the Nats in like 11 of the 13 games or something like that. So yeah, think, I'm think putting them on like 150 <laughs> win pace. <laughs> Yeah, I think you picked two sweeps. Uh, the other one was against the Padres. <laughs> yeah, I did go against the Padres. They did not sweep. <laughs> uh, so I want to say thanks to Brian for joining me today. And where can our listeners find you? Uh, Twitter at, at Brian D. Foley. And then on District on Deck website. So getting some stuff out this week. Yeah, Remember to check out some of our content this week. Uh, as we talked about earlier, Brian put up a piece about the, the Nats pitchers development uh and i also analyzed matt weir's swing funnily enough gone through both on the podcast 
Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at District on Deck. Give us a like on Facebook, District on Deck. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and Stitcher. We can get episodes downloaded automatically. Podcast will be back over the weekend as we look ahead to a divisional matchup against the Phillies, albeit it might be a little too little too late. Uh, but we'll see you then.